Hey, what's up? Welcome to Movie Dumpster Season 4, Episode 5. Today we're talking about The Deadly Spawn from 1983, directed by Doug McKeown. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor the Deadly Spoon McGraw. Welcome to The Dumpster. The hell is it? I told Ellen maybe it washed up out of the creek or something, you know, after all that rain and all. I can't even tell if it's a vertebrate. Oh, it's crazy. It's like a freak of nature. If it is a vertebrate... These bumps suggest the order of apodes, apodes, however you say it. But I've never seen anything like that. Maybe it's an eel. You mean those bumps might be, uh, uh, undeveloped feet? Yes, some form of locomotion. Is it dead when you found it? Yeah. Slimy. That's why I put it in the sink. Look at the teeth. Holy mackerel. Hardly. I wouldn't say there's anything holy about it. It's more like a nasty tadpole. <laughs> That's funny. Like the ma- the mackerel, get it? Like the fish? Yeah, we got it. The Deadly Spoon. I guess just echoing Alan Rickman, it would hurt more. <laughs> I, could, yeah, I don't want to get spooned by one of these things. No thanks. I, I mean, like, their mouths are kind of like little spoons. I mean, we're like scoops or something. Like, they, <laughs> they kind of bow out. <laughs> I don't want that near my butt, though. They're going to bite it. I don't want that near me at all, by the way. <laughs> just want to just wanna put that out there. Especially those little ones. They'll swim right up your hole, man. Yeah, right up the urethra. <laughs> The little ones look like, they look like little dicks, and I could not stop laughing at them. Like, just like little mouth penises, like, crawling around. <laughs> yeah, we, we should have asked Ted Bohas about that. <laughs> totally should have. Uh, <laughs> Why do they look like small little, <laughs> just fanged dicks? Uh, by the way, there is a companion piece coming out to this episode where we got to sit down with the awesome Ted Boas uh, to talk all things Deadly Spawn and, and his magazines, SPFX, and, uh, and his books, uh, Candid Monster. So you can check that out Monday. So this episode will be is dropping on a Friday, and that will be Monday the 29th, where you can check that out. So we're gonna try to keep a few. Th- I don't. I don't want to go into too many spoilers uh, with Ted. So I, I want to keep uh, some of the the BTS uh, close to play play some of it close to the chest, rather. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? Yeah. Because he has some really great stories about uh, the making of the film and how it how it kind of came to fruition and and all kinds of good stuff. So. Um, definitely looking forward to that coming out. I also like that every time you brought up a name to him, he was like, oh, this fucking guy. <laughs> You're already spoiling it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mentioned Jeff Lieberman and, um, Graydon Clark in the episode and, and they have similar, you know, I, I, it's like a running thing, you know, with these, with, with these independent indie guy, uh, these independent filmmakers and producers, uh, especially like from the heyday uh, of the horror genre and you know there's always somebody trying to fuck them you know what i mean i mean and maybe that's still true today you know i don't really know because a lot of these guys aren't making films anymore so <laughs> i mean hopefully it's still not like that so much because of all the different smaller corporations and and uh and uh you know, companies producing and independent uh, investors and things like that. I would like to think that's probably more like that. <laughs> I, I hope not, you know? I hope not, but I think it is. I was going to say, I would like to hope that Elijah Wood is not a piece of shit, but uh, maybe, I don't know. Yes. 
What a, what a shock that would be. Oh, that would be such a bummer, wouldn't it? Yeah. He's like a real prick. Like He's like a real scumbag. He's like, he's got a stranglehold on the fucking project. I mean, I understand you got to make money, but come on. Yeah, you find out that all that uh, stuff at the end of Return of the King where he starts to go kind of crazy and turns bad more or less is like... You know, how did you channel that, Elijah? Well, you know, to be, to be perfectly honest, that's just kind of how I am in real life. You know, the public doesn't usually see it, so it was easy to tap into. Damn. I'm secretly a sociopath. <laughs> so, yeah, so the Deadly Spawn, guys, originally titled Return of the Aliens, Deadly Spawn, literally just to cash in on the, on the fucking, on Alien coming out, or Aliens at that point, no? One of those. The funny thing about that is that I mentioned in the interview there's this urban legend i always had about this movie when i was growing up that it, oh it's a sequel to aliens if i didn't know that first and i saw a movie called return of the aliens and i saw that cover i'd go okay well that's clearly not connected to the fucking the the dickheaded xenomorphs that ridley scott set upon the world like those are angry tater tots what are those right like how who the fuck is confusing this for a sequel to aliens yeah <laughs> And what you can you can do it with Jaws. You can't do it with two very distinct alien designs. I mean, this came out in '83, and Aliens isn't until like what '86. So I could yeah. see if you don't have like any kind of you know the internet's not around. If you're not really following this kind of stuff super closely, I'm sure a few people got fooled. <sighs> Man, um, some people think Troll 2 is a direct sequel, so it really doesn't shock me if people were confused by this. Sure. I mean, it's called Troll 2, though. You know what I mean? Well, sure. I'm sure there's still a parent or, you know, a hapless, innocent fool who's walked into a video store and gotten transmorphers and said, oh, this is what I was looking for. This is the Michael Bay movie, of course. Where's Shia? What's that fucking company, Shane Van Dyke's company? The, Asi- the Asylum? Uh, Asylum. Fucking, ugh. <laughs> Alien versus Hunter. Yeah, we, we know we know that company all too well, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, duped me a few times, sure did. Uh, only once, but it was, well, can you be duped if it was willing? Uh, well, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I full, I went on full, in, full into that. This isn't a sequel to Titanic. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I, I blame the fan that sent us that movie. <laughs> so this flick is uh, uh, born and raised, just like us, in, in the great state, the garden state of New Jersey. This and Friday the 13th. We got some good ones. Was all of Friday shot in New Jersey? I know all the camp stuff is, because I watched uh, Tony from Hack the Movies episode of Talking About Tapes, where he talked about the first three films. Oh, I think all of it's shot in Blairstown. I'm pretty sure. Newt, Newt was very proud about it, so I'm gonna take Newt's, uh, I'm gonna take what Newt said for, a uh, fact. Sure, well, I'm, I'm almost positive. I just didn't want to be like, yeah, the whole thing was there when, you know... I mean, you, could just po- you could just point to anywhere in the map and go, that's where they filmed Friday the 13th, and you go, I believe you. Well, <laughs> sure. <laughs> True. Sure did. Is there woods there? Of course. There's a camp there, too. Look, a fucking lake jersey has none of those how interesting isn't that insane but yeah a lot of it was filmed in gladstone new jersey for the house scenes and that's actually uh the famous sci-fi fantasy artist tim hildebrandt's house who did the artwork for this and before we we get we keep going i just want to i guess we'll talk about uh, a little bit about tim hildebrandt if you've seen that original star wars poster you know that that iconic star wars poster where luke's like holding the lightsaber straight up and princess leia's kind of like by his legs and stuff uh you know off to the corner the bottom uh the bottom right that's that's tim hildebrandt and his brother uh clash of the titans uh barbarella uh they did a uh, a series of tolkien calendars in the 70s which if you've never seen these things i mean they 
it they are absolutely gorgeous absolutely fantastic but yeah so he does the he does the poster art uh for deadly spawn uh as well and um he is actually really good friends with ted uh boas and john dodds and uh they get together and and they kind of make this movie themselves you know they uh, they get together as friends and they and they want to make movies and they and they make this movie themselves so yeah filmed in gladstone uh new jersey and new brunswick for for the basement scenes which is kind of crazy just you know when i think of new brunswick i don't think of the deadly spawn you don't think of their basements no i I was like, I just don't think of New Brunswick basements. Not that I've ever seen one. <laughs> Not that I've ever seen. No, it's just crazy to think about. You know what I mean? Like even like um, you know, living living close to um, Island Beach State Park, uh, where they shot the scenes for uh, Creep Show uh, with Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson. Like that was on that beach. Um, it's just really neat. You know, it's that kind of thing. And just to have like this independent film kind of come out of there, come out of New Jersey, and uh, and still be revel uh relevant and of course clerks is too and the whole kevin smith thing but i mean this is specifically rubber monster horror movies you know what i mean that also has ripple effects afterwards that make people go back and you know discover those things this is a very this is a very enduring little engine oh absolutely i don't think of anything when i think of new brunswick because i think i've been there like twice <laughs> i used to go to school there yeah uh although the basement in this house does remind me of my home and uh one of the two houses lived in in Silverton and Tom's River. In that, I had a basement that was essentially just a mausoleum that when it rained, you're like, okay, well, take all the electronics off the floor. Oh, yeah, because it would it would flood, right? It would just seep in through the walls. <laughs> like, it's it, the first week we were there, we spent most of that week just bailing out the basement. The walls in Connor McGraw's basement started dripping, sweating, perspirating. <laughs> so this flick is made for 25 grand? I think Ted, I think the official count from Ted was 20 or 23, uh, but IMDb says 25, so it's right in the pocket within five grand. IMDb's always correct. Well, just to let you know, like, Deadly Spawn was made for $25,000, and Evil Dead was made for 150. so... You know what I mean? So, I mean, Ted goes into a little bit of that on the on the interview, but it's it's it, you know what they did with that money is really fucking impressive. So this movie has two unofficial sequels as well, but they're kind of sequels. Uh, again, that's it. you got to listen to that Ted Boas interview to get the full scoop uh, on that. We're we're already on the robot jocks, um, <laughs> the fractured franchise status here. So it's 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 metamorphosis, the alien factor. And then, or Deadly Spawn 2, because originally it was going to be Deadly Spawn 2 and they renamed it. Um, But then there's a third movie that's not even, it's like non-canon Deadly Spawn 3, The Regenerated Man. Uh, And (laughs) the the reason that it's considered the trilogy is because that's the way it's marketed in Japan. Oh, this sounds like some Godzilla shit in Germany. (laughs) Where they just throw Frankenstein on all the fucking titles. Yeah, fuck it, man. If it sells, it sells, right? So the effects are done by John Dodds. And John Dodds is... He's kind of like another John Carl Beekler for me, right? Like, he's this independent FX artist that's done all these classic B-movies and stuff, but then goes on to do, like, you know, shit like Ghostbusters 2 and and work on the Poltergeist series and the X-Files and Alien Resurrection and the Santa Claus and all kinds of shit like that. But he has, like, deep roots in in the in 
B film, you know, like he did the effects for Night Beast, he did the effects for, you know, this film, Deadly Spawn, uh, and Monsters, one of my favorite TV shows uh, that that came out right after Tales from the Dark Side. That makes a lot of sense because there's a reference to that in this movie. Kind of. He's the, okay, the kid's reading a Monsters comic straight up in one scene. Oh, yeah, but Monsters, the TV show, didn't come out till the 90s. Oh, I just assumed it was based on a comic like Tales from the Crypt. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, the Monsters was... Well, you know you know where you can find out that information? If you go check out our <laughs> brand new series, Talks from the Dark Side. We talk all about Tales from the Dark Side, the, the TV show, and uh, we're going to be talking about monsters, too, after uh, after we get through that. So uh, you can find the scoop there. Listen, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but yeah, Black Roses, uh, My Demon Lover, Spookies, all kinds of good shit. Um, he's great. I, I love him. I love his work, and it's, it was super inspirational. Again, especially what he did for this particular film um, with the budget that they had, you know? Like, he's got these giant fucking, this giant puppet with all these, with all these other little puppets, and they're, and they're fully fa- fabricated and painted, and, and all these rigs for these things to, like, squiggle across the floor, and... And all kinds of stuff. It's it's really impressive. It, a lot of love and and uh, passion went into this stuff, um, and it shows. And I, I think that's why it kind of holds up so well. Uh, part of the partly anyway. Yeah. Uh, speaking on the budget, like it's, I don't I don't want to say it's rare, but it is special when you see a movie. You're like, wow, I can tell money was spent actually wisely on this because it's all over the fucking place. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, because we've covered some movies on this show, obviously, quite a few, really, when you break it down, uh, that, that are in this ballpark of, you know, they didn't have a ton of money. They kind of had to figure out where to spend it. Uh, and, and sometimes they spent it wisely, like you just said, Connor, and other times they did not. The being, the being, uh, oh, wait, <laughs> I, I meant to cough that second time too, sorry. <laughs> uh, don't give Jackie Kong any shit, dude. She's, 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 she's turned out some good stuff. Well, not the being. I like the being, but yeah, it's no blood diner for sure. But anyway, so yeah, that's about the size of it. Um, and again, there's a lot, there's so much information and, and, and stories and, and kind of behind the scenes that we talk about, um, in that Ted Boas interview. I can't stress that enough. I, I don't want to spoil anything from that. Um, and we go into his new book. Well, Pretty new. It's pretty new. Making the 1980s science fiction horror monster cult classic, The Deadly Spawn, which is available on eBay and Amazon. You should definitely check it out. Uh, it's got all the, like full color behind the scenes photos, uh, and uh, you know it's got a, it's got interviews with Tim and John, and there's uh, pieces in there from uh, Michelle Bauer and Fred Olin Ray and stuff. It's really, really fucking cool, and you should totally check it out. And I just want to thank my buddy Evan again for, for giving us the hookup with Ted and, and kind of uh, acquainting us and, and, and uh, glad to have a, a new friend and, uh, and, and, a, and a great interview that we got, too. So, so thanks, Evan. I, I guess that's pretty much it. So, you know, without further ado, let's talk about The Deadly Spawn. Uh, yeah, Al Simmons is a good guy. <laughs> There we go. Bye, everybody. <laughs> He's dangerous. Imagine if Jason Wynn like burnt him up and he turned into this fucking thing. Like he melted, he melted into a fucking three-headed monster. Now Bo's just like, oh my god, <laughs> that's disgusting. That's that's horrible. Oh my god. I am just gonna be the one to say it. Connor, please plot crunch this because you have been regaling us for how many weeks now? <laughs> 
a little behind the scenes. We had to keep moving this recording because one thing after another kept coming up. And Connor was like, in our in our group chat, was like, I need to get this movie out of my system. So please, Connor, I know you have a lot to say, but can you condense that? Uh, um, yeah. So a meteor crashes uh, by two very fussy men who poke it with sticks. <laughs> well, they're back from Blackula. Yeah, like. <laughs> thought they were cousins or something because they sound very similar they got out of the antique game yeah 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 uh poker with sticks and uh very similar to some old sci-fi movies like the blob or something like that where something crashes and they go oh my god what is it let's touch it and uh unleash the titular uh deadly spawn which seems to i, I can't tell if it immediately grows into something uh like that resembles a, a giant bundle of potatoes with teeth <laughs> But it does, and it takes up residence in a very wet basement where a family lives, including who I assume is Tommy Jarvis in the Witness Protection Agency. <laughs> it's, it's this little boy who, like, makes monster designs and special effects and masks and everything like that. Um, and it's a, this little self-contained uh, family versus monster movie that plays out uh, across uh, several stories of the small Jersey home. And it never leaves the house. It's kind of fun that way. Uh, we go, we, we pop a couple places. But yeah, but for the most part, yeah. Doesn't leave the neighborhood for sure. Yeah. So yeah, so the flick opens, like Connor said, with this meteorite that that flies out of the sky. And and again, it is totally Atomic Age yeah. uh, <laughs> monster movie. <laughs> yeah. It's a, hi, did you see that big thing over there? It's crashed. Let's go check it out. It was like, a, it was like it had some big, bright, you know, pink lighters. You know, it actually wasn't pink. It was like a color out of space. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't even really describe it. But on film, it's going to be pink and purple. <laughs> Speaking about on film, because like Connor said, these guys are poking and prodding this stick, these two campers. And the one guy's like, I got to get a picture of this. And he like fucking skitters away while the other guy gets devoured. Yeah, I also love that like in this situation, especially these two guys, like this happens, it's see of the horizon. And almost as if it's unspoken, like, all right, let's get our poking sticks. Let's go be prepared to just like just fucking dabble away at this thing. Well, they go fu- they go full Jordy Verrill, man. They want to see if they can fucking bring it up to the college, get a couple bucks, maybe. Um, and we get some like bush rustle rustling and stuff, and uh and these guys get killed more or less off screen. We get some blood splatter and stuff that's pretty neat. I was gonna say the one dude in the tent dies for like an hour. Oh yeah. He gets chewed up real good. He's just in there, he's like ah I was like, hurry up and bite it already. I love how they use um the effects in this shot because I love this the silhouette against the tent, like the fire uh the campfire uh, silhouetting this thing to the uh, on the inside of the tent, and you see its like mouth moving and it's growing and shit. It's really neat. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> this is about the only time in the movie, and then I guess we could kind of debate it as we get there. Where I was like, I see why they were ripping off Alien because while this thing is small, it you know it it ha- it basically looks like. The xenomorph after it bursts out of John Hurt's chest. A chest burster. Yeah, oh, there you How did I forget the name? I'm a moron, obviously. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, you know, the chest burster. That, it was very evocatively similar. Um, but that's kind of where it ends, in my opinion. Yeah, it's less snake-like and more like... I think the face is a little bit 
evocative of that xenomorph. I, sure. It's it's the it's the lack of eyes. That's the first thing that my brain went to is because yes. yeah, that's what it is. The one the first thing I noticed as a kid about the xenomorph was that the fact that it has no eyes and that scares the fuck out of me. Yeah. Does it hear you? Does it fucking sense you telepathically or what? Yeah. And then when you just get the toys, you peel that little panel off, you're like, oh my god, it has eye holes for where its skull is. It's so weird. It's got a giant penis skull under there. Yeah, it's got eye sockets. As it grows, though, I think that that kind of gets thrown out the window. It, it starts to look really original once you see it in full uh, view. Yeah. Yes. It it reminds me of, like, if you poured, like, the, the mutagen on Audrey 2. <laughs> TCRI? Yeah, man. Like, it's it's really, it's really fucking ugly, but it's kind of awesome. Is this, like, the suckling if he had a little bit too much TCRI on him? Like, he didn't get trained by Splinter, and he just kind of, like, went about his business, and then he turned into this thing? Oh, my God. You think he's hanging out with that fetus? Probably, right? This is the Super Shredder version. <laughs> he probably eat him, to be perfectly honest. Well, they they both do shapeshift, you know. Well, I mean, okay, we I, I don't know if we should be calling this monster a he. It's either an it or a she. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's definitely a mom, I would say yeah because this is some alien queen ass shit as we find out um also i can't compare it to the super shredder because this thing uh is more mobile than super shredder ever was and does more i think because of the, the quad thing yeah <laughs> well yeah right it's not kevin nash behind the mask <laughs> exactly it didn't collapse a whole dock onto its own head so it's already better than super shredder P- poor kevin nash the turtles just turned to each other was that in the script or did he just trip no both his quads broke and he took down the whole pier with him Ah, eh, fuck it we're going with it <laughs> he took a step forward and just went down <laughs> wow this fight's gonna be awesome oh wait it's over <laughs> just screaming in agony man fuck that movie i gotta revisit it i haven't seen it in a minute i used to watch it all the time as a kid though i i turned a corner on the first one i was kind of wishy-washy on it for a hot minute on this show but on a rewatch about six months ago it holds up really good. Oh my god, it's fucking fantastic. It does, especially as an adult. It's got some really good stuff in there, but the second one, you're like, this is a children's movie, and I don't like it. Yeah, the second one definitely, like, you know, not get, not to get off on too much of a side tangent here, but it definitely had, like, the sim- the you know, the same symptoms of Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, sure. The, I mean, the cartoon's already out, and we're kind of capitalizing on the fact that we're gonna make toys, you know what I mean? Exactly. I still like Ghostbusters 2, but obviously heavily influenced by the cartoon, and same thing for turtles too no sure yeah let's negate every risk we took in the first one and make this as safe as possible at the risk of uh losing the older audience members later on yeah well the first one's so good because they could do they did whatever the fuck they wanted because the studio was like yeah whatever's you know what i mean right and then they were like wait this makes money okay you're gonna do this now here's your new crop of stunt people (laughs) right uh we we heard that vanilla ice guy's hip let's get him in the movie Okay, before we move on, I have to tell this quick story about this. I heard this recently. Apparently, bodyguards of Vanilla Ice during that movie tried to start shit with the people in the turtle suits for for something. And I guess during production, there was almost an actual fight between the four turtles and Vanilla Ice's crew. And I wish I could have seen this happen. <laughs> I told that fucking story on on uh, talking about tapes when we did Master Disguise that I worked for two of the guys. Or his, it was the father and the son, and both of them were in respectively one. I forget which turtle suits, but they were in 
the TMNT two, you know, Secret of the Ooze suits like and did martial arts for that movie. I think I know who you're talking about because I think they had some kind of promotion at Marquee Cinemas when I worked there. Did they really? Because I think because I think he has a dojo. I think that I think the dad's still alive. Yeah, I I, I used to work for. Him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like a karate school. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think I, I don't know the name of it, but yeah, that sounds familiar. I know the name of it. I'm just not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> this is clearly a sign, and if you've listened to the show, maybe it was already apparent that maybe we should cover the Ninja Turtles on this show at some point. Uh, I would love to. Pencil it in, guys. Uh, but back to the deadly spawn. <laughs> so, uh, so these two fucking mooks get killed, and um, and then kick up that fucking score, dude, by Michael P- uh, Perelstein. Ooh. It is so fucking good. Uh, it's actually the f- one of the first new vinyls that I ever bought because Mondo uh, put out this soundtrack on vinyl, and I was like, holy shit, fucking deadly spawns come to vinyl. Yeah, sure, fuck it, you know. Um. I'll get it, and that was like one of the first new vinyls that I ever bought, and it's it's just such a great fucking score. Again, we're we're making stuff with no money, and it's just because this is cool, and I want to do this right. Like that's mostly of what this that's mostly how this movie is put together. Oh yeah, they're not doing it for the money, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the score is this very kind of like uh, this rising and falling, like just I don't know how to describe it, but it's like just kind of goes up and down, just it's just it's just dread. It's like theremin. Type synth. It's really fucking cool. So then we kind of cut to that house that Connor alluded to in the plot crunch that we're kind of stuck in for most of the movie. Uh, not complaining, but we are stuck in it for sure. Oh, yeah. This is Tim Hildebrand's actual house that they shot in. That is just fucking wild to me. It's pretty nuts, man. Uh, but we're introduced to two characters that you just, you know you think are gonna be around for a while and they last about five fucking minutes oh yeah mom and dad yeah sam and barb i didn't remember their names and i've seen this six times now (laughs) yeah me either connor but i had it in my notes and that's the only way i could even pull that one out of my ass (laughs) i just was identifying as like oh there's mom okay there goes mom and i'll say something about this and i'm not necessarily gonna say i'm putting my foot in my mouth but this because i think the acting is much better in this movie uh this movie reminds me a little bit of the Boneyard with the way that the characters are portrayed uh, because I feel like a lot of the conversations that are had in this film just feel very authentic. Agreed. Uh, granted, I think the Boneyard still has horrible acting and it really brings the movie down for me, but this, I I, I didn't really have a problem with any. There's a, there's the older brother I'm not a huge fan of, but he has some interesting conversations. Uh, we'll get to his ass. He's definitely the weakest out, out of the bunch. I, I, everybody's pretty goddamn good. Yeah. Um. I just want to note real quick. It's always raining in this movie. It's Jersey. No. <laughs> it's not fucking Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's Jersey. It's just. It's. It's just. It's. It's not rain. It's concentrated misery that just hangs over the state. And it comes out in liquid form. <laughs> I guess the the reason that I bring that up is just because like this is like this is like best time of year to watch this because we're getting we're getting right into April. This is coming at the ass end of March, uh, and we're going into that rainy season. Yeah, true. This movie is so fucking cozy to me. It's it, 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 everything about like the house, the way it's shot, uh, and uh, and of course like the rainy day and all kind of stuff like that. I don't know. It just. It has an air about it that I really, really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, it, this house also looks like the house I lived in in Walt Township when I was really fucking little. So I, I relate to that feeling of coziness. P- people are now painting a picture like, okay, they got your house, they got your basement. They're going to kind of put that together and try to figure it out. Yeah. Well, d- d- different houses, but I know. This is a cellar. It's not a basement, right? Like. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Sa- Sam, uh, dad, how 
however you want to refer to him. I guess him and mom are going to go out on the town for the day. Whether they, they don't ever specify why they're like just you know out to have fun, go grocery shopping, you know they don't ever specify. Uh, but de- you know, dad realizes ah shit, the hot water's out, so he goes down to the basement. And I, I appreciated this because, like Joe said, uh, it, it's a cellar, not really a basement. You know, if you want to make that distinction, because he already has the fucking rubber shoes at the ready on the step. Because this must happen all the time with the basement flooding. It's like completely unfinished, that like dirt floor kind of thing. I think this is actually, you know, Connor, you're saying it reminds you of your basement, but I feel like this is the same basement from the Beyond, just transplanted into New Jersey. <laughs> Well, it's an old it's an old house. That's why the basement looks like it does. There's a hole in the wall that leads into a different dimension. <laughs> it's it's all the same basement from Evil Dead, okay? It's different doors, okay? Joe the Plumber's down there. Yeah, Joe, you're right. We're going to get to his ass in a, in a little while, Joe the Plumber. I couldn't believe it. Freudstein's fucking nailed to a fucking wall or something. I don't know. Freddy's gloves hanging down there. <laughs> There's a painting that they're stuck in or something. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, he goes down there and he's kind of putzing around trying to figure out what the fuck's going on with his water heater. And uh, he starts hearing some kind of growling like off in the distance of his basement. That's a sign to run upstairs. Don't investigate. Turn around. <laughs> well, I, I love the way that this is done, too. Like, it takes its time. You know, they're building tension and dread here. And this fucking guy, like these shots of him, like going in, there's, there's like this alcove, uh, at the back end of the basement where it's just like another room, but there's like, it's like a cinder block doorway. And, uh, we go through here a couple times and this particular time, uh, it's like pitch dark back there and he can't see anything. Right. And I'm pretty sure he like turns the fucking light on and this thing just comes at him from the darkness and just starts fucking ripping his shit up. (laughs) Rips his stomach out, and it's like... He had no chance at all. The second that he saw this thing, he was dead already. It should be mentioned that this thing is made of mouths. Like, it's, it has very yeah. few physical features outside of grabby and teeth. It's got these two little finger things that it, that it kind of grabs people with. Um... Yeah, so there's a huge blood spray, and we get that fucking... It's it's so funny, too, like, we were talking about Evil Dead before, and kind of, like, the parallels between and the kind of history that it has with this film. It You know, that blood hits that fucking uh, uh, hanging, like, that bare bulb that's hanging, and, like, bathes everything in red. Uh, it definitely looks like Kool-Aid, but I'll <laughs> give them the benefit of the doubt, because the rest of the effects are, are great. So, you know, they, they skimped a little on the blood effects, but everything else looks really good. <laughs> well, when you have, like, stark light going through it like that, it it's always going to look like that, yeah. It looks cool, too, because I can just imagine the smell of that is probably horrid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, I can think of um, worse-looking uh, blood in movies that came out in the last decade, so. Well, sure, sure. That, too. Uh, but I think the real kicker is, like, as brutal as this scene is, because it's like, like, the audience kind of knows what's going to happen to this guy, but you don't know how bad he's going to get it. As he's, like, devoured alive, mom comes down like, huh, all right, he's in the basement. She writes a note on this uh, calendar or whatever saying, you know, me and dad are going out for the day. Don't wait up for us. We'll call later. And she goes down, and I thought this scene was even more effective. Oh, yeah. Because the way it's framed, you know, you see all this blood all over the place, but 
she just takes it as, oh, there's a paint can that must have spilt or something. And there's a shot where she's kind of leaning, looking into that room that she, that, the, that the dad was killed in, that Joe was just describing. And you see blood all over the wall, but it's like just out of her POV where she doesn't notice it. It's so fucking good. And she what she does see is the bulb because the, the blood is like burning on the fucking bulb. Right. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, you're right, John. She like looks and she sees the fucking red paint. And she's like, I guess somebody splashed the light bulb. <laughs> And didn't clean it up. Honey, did you spill your intestines everywhere, too? (laughs) But that shot Sean was just talking about where she leans over and and the audience sees the blood spray and she doesn't is fucking sweet. Uh, Also, real quick, uh, because I kind of glossed over it, and we do talk about this in the interview. Uh, Mom is wearing a see-through nightie, by the way. (laughs) Just, Just have to at least mention it. Yeah. She's boobing a little bit. Yeah, you see it. We, we get a reason for that from Ted. So, uh, again, not to keep bringing it up, but check out that interview on Monday. It's also not egregious. It's there. You know what I mean? But, like... Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind it, honestly. Even with the explanation, you're like, it is literally just there. Like, there's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure is. There's a reason for it, and it's, like, it's so, like industry centered it's just like oh god it's so indifferent and silly yeah, yeah but it doesn't bother me really because it's like yeah someone would probably actually wear that to bed like sure no sure yeah totally and then we get this fucking great scene uh you know i i don't know mr hammond i think we're back in business because this fucking hand <laughs> comes out and grabs her on the shoulder and she fucking turns the light on and she turns around and it's her husband's hand sticking out of this fucking thing's mouth uh, honestly arguably a better idea than the jurassic park one because that is horrifying <laughs> like <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> also the way it happens in jurassic park is like no human hand would fall on you like that <laughs> was the raptor well the raptors got thumbs right they did to grab it and like <laughs> grab her with it like <laughs> it would be fucking great <laughs> I want to be the other side of that wall with the raptor's holding his arm with his little hand and just puppeteering it. <laughs> He's got his other hand over his mouth, like, laughing. Smacking her with it, like... <laughs> poke, poke, hey! hey. <laughs> He's doing the Buzz Lightyear thing from Toy Story. What? I'm fine! <laughs> <laughs> Miss the, the Mrs. Nesbitt No, bit. the part where Woody's dangling his arm out the window, making it look like he's talking to him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So then, uh, probably one of my favorite kills in the movie is this one because this monster kind of just... This is the first time you really get a good look at it, by the way. Uh, Like you guys have been saying, this giant hole... It almost looks like a worm... I would argue a little bit. It's like a giant leech. They even they even talk about it as akin to like an eel or a lamprey, and it's like this big stalk, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's got this big head in the middle and these two these two other heads like on the sides. And when we say head, like think about what we were saying earlier with the alien references. It's got no eyes. Yeah, the teeth are like massive. Like if you could picture like think about like Pennywise when he would get his mouth open and the teeth come out. It's like almost ev- evocative of that. Or you know, just think of like a shark's mouth. Yeah, yeah. It's just a big giant jaw with just rows of fucking teeth in it and it's drooling constantly by the way yeah it's really cool take venom's head and make it look flesh colored like a penis uh, yeah exactly that was the first thing i was thinking of it's like maybe don't go there um <laughs> it's like, like it's dick colored like it's uh, connor we we're, we're on a show where we have a character named cumdar and another one named corpse fucker i'm <laughs> i am very well aware of this you just put like a fucking you put a venom's head on a heat on a uh radiator and there you go yeah <laughs> yes yeah and you you like 
you melt it down so it's kind of droopy and a little longer, you know, a little, a little more flattened, mm. and there you go. And you know, like Sean said, it does have like it's very much like a shark's mouth where it just has rows and rows and rows of these just jagged, awful looking fucking teeth. Yeah, and there's cool shots too, like these POVs like through the monster's mouth and shit. Oh yeah, and. This thing just, like, rips part of her fucking face off. It's really good. Yeah. I love it. It's really cool. <laughs> this woman gets it bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she gets she gets her whole head bitten off by this thing. Oh, yeah. Sure does. And uh, you, you think that's the end of it, but uh, it'll come back later in a big way. <laughs> One of the most best parts of the movie. Her demise is sadly very well extended. Uh, so apparently uh, Uncle Herb and Aunt Millie are visiting because they're... <laughs> They're upstairs, and they're waking up, and they're like, oh, man, I can't wait to go have some breakfast. Uncle fucking Herb. Her- Herb, a.k.a. Uh, Fraser Crane. Oh, yeah. This fucking psychiatrist who's, like, trying to, like, pull one over on his nephew. I didn't get that vibe. I got an even... I got, like... We're, how far are we from the scene where he talks to the son? Eh, it's a little ways off, but uh, say what you're going to say anyway, just because I don't know if we'll uh, remember to bring it up again. So, like, he talks to the kid whose, I, whose name I forget on, at this moment. I don't have it in front of me. Um, uh, Charles. 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 There we go. Yeah. He talks to Charles about how he has this affinity for, you know, monster movies and horror films and making these masks and these effects and these creatures. And the conversation goes from, I'm interested in your hobby to, I may have a kink and I'm just going to tell it to you. What? <laughs> He's he's talking to him, and the way he, he's like, so you like to scare people? He's like, yeah. He's like, why don't you uh, put on a costume and scare me, Charles? And as if to give him, like, two bouncy eyebrows, I'm like, what is the nature of this conversation? <laughs> like, is he, he's like, why don't you scream real loud into my ass? Like, wait, <laughs> wait, that's like... <laughs> <laughs> he's he's very clearly a psychiatrist who just is concerned about this kid because he watches horror movies, so he's a fucking weirdo. Well, what what's happening is he's going to like some convention uh, about child psychology, so he's like, "Whoa, what better way to do it than my weird fucking nephew?" And and you're introduced to this nephew Charles, who's Tim. That's that's Tim Hildebrandt's kid, by the way. Oh, really? He's a good actor, and his real name is Charles. Oh, <laughs> they kept giving him other names he couldn't remember. Was like, ah, fuck it, he's Charles. It's just call him Charles it's easier the introduction of this character is great because you just hear screaming in the background and you assume it's the mom getting killed and you know you get introduced to Millie and her getting woken up by the screaming and Millie is a is great in this these fucking facial expressions this woman makes are hilarious yeah um and she's like ah Charles and she goes in and she's like, can you turn down the horror movie? And, you know, he's he's laying down on the ground. He's got his fucking King Kong poster and everything. He's like, yeah, 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 in a minute. That is, that is me. <laughs> this is absolutely you. Wearing a fucking cape, watching monster movies with all my sh- monster shit all over my room. Uh, not gonna lie, the thought did cross my mind. <laughs> Which is probably another reason I really love... Like, okay, so, uh, yeah, obviously, duh, I love fucking monster movies, especially rubber monster movies. Sure. But, yeah, I, I love seeing, like, again, like we, we mentioned, earlier or connor mentioned earlier rather like with the um the tommy jarvis character like Corey feldman's tommy jarvis like when he's making the masks and stuff like that like oh yeah it's always fun to like i can immediately put myself in that role right i like that in this movie and friday and i don't know if i've seen that particular uh like character trait before in different movies well monster squad even before that in salem's lot oh yeah yeah of of these kids facing some like otherworldly horror and having their like the first thing they fall back on is their hobby and it absolutely empowers them and it's awesome oh no it's awesome and everybody always thinks they're a fucking weirdo like in the movie right it's and, and, and speaking of salem's lot like his dad's like when the fuck when are you gonna give this up 
when are you going to grow out of this shit, you fucking stoop? And that hits home pretty hard. But. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, in in the conversation the uncle has with Charles, he does say he's like, "Well, what would you do if you uh you know saw one?" And Charles is like, mm, "You're a weird, uncle." Hey, he's like, "There's no monsters aren't real, dumbass." Right? Yeah, I'm not I'm not stupid, you strange old man. Because because it, it's definitely that thing where like the uncle, I, the aunt's kind of like I I could go either way. Like I think she just thinks it's weird, but she doesn't you know think anything beyond that. But he's definitely in that camp of like he he can't tell the difference between reality and fantasy, and it's like ah he totally can. Well, that's why he's kind of grilling him. But Aunt Millie's just like he's such a talented, fun kid. What a great imagination! He's gonna grow up to do something great. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's the positive reinforcement that you want to fucking give kid kids like this, uh, being one myself. Because he obviously wasn't getting it from his parents. No, well not anymore. <laughs> Monster masks? What, what are you talking about? Aren't you going to be a fucking electrician or a plumber or some shit? Just like Joe, who's coming over to fix the, the, the basement. You see what happens when you're a plumber? You get killed by fucking aliens in the basement. <laughs> but before we get too out of order here... Uh, no, sure. Uh, Mill- Millie sees the note and is like, oh, you know, Barb and Sam went to the city. You know, She's like, oh, coffee's already made, not realizing that uh, Barb made that for herself and then was murdered before she could drink it. Car's still here. They didn't go to the airport. Yeah. <laughs> They play that up. Oh, they sure do. They went to the city and they're still together. Hmm, Dr. Angelo. (laughs) Hmm. Joe mentions that specifically because the older brother that we're going to get to in a moment uh, wants to use the car at night. And they constantly are showing the car like in a garage with like the door half open in the background. Yeah, and and he hasn't. You know, he thinks nothing of it. Well, he doesn't know what's out there at first. No, they, I mean, he, they don't find out till like, later or later. So they're all having breakfast, and Aunt Millie's making everybody breakfast, and we're introduced to uh, Pete, who is um, Charles's older brother, and he's, an, he's studying to be an, an astronomer. And basically his whole plot line is he's having a couple of his friends over to, to study for the science test that they're going to have. Quote, unquote, study. Yeah, well, quote, unquote, well, no, they're going to study, but then they're going to go to the movies later. So, like, they're going to study and then they're going to go. Because he's got a thing for this girl, Ellen, and that's kind of his ulterior motive to have her come over with his friend, Frankie. Sure. I don't like him. <laughs> He is kind of an asshole. He is a prick to everyone in this movie. He's he's one of those logical, matter-of-fact guys. Yeah. And then, like, when shit's hitting the fan, he is falling apart at every stretch of this movie and like is i think is patently useless yeah because he he can't rationalize it so he's fucking freaks out yeah but this is the same scene where we have that whole like back and forth with the uncle and charles about like oh would you mind if i talk to you i got some questions for you and which leads to a scene later we kind of already talked about yeah they're all having breakfast and they and they kind of get their their side quests or plot uh (laughs) (laughs) plot directions for the rest of the film baldwin walks in he's like all right here's your script here's your script here's your script can i are you gonna eat that toast give me that you fuck hold on i'm sorry that's tom Holland's. i need that back anybody got any goddamn tequila in this place <laughs> I, I got a liquid breakfast it, it was fine you also find out that millie is gonna walk down the street to go visit uh, her mother who's having a luncheon with her girlfriends right and uh just to fyi uh grandma is a fucking vegan or a vegetarian one of one of the other yeah she's vegetarian yeah you want to talk about troll too she's fucking shacking up with the goblins for sure man oh yeah well i thought it was a wlwl from you know dead alone (laughs) that too man she's coming over she's got the fucking custard with the fucking (laughs) zombie shit in it no pudding But uh, but yeah, so everybody goes their separate ways, and then I guess we, I guess we could talk a little bit about more about that psychology scene because this is where uh, Uncle Herb's like, hey, "Come in here, Charles. Uh, you know, you don't you don't think masses are real, huh?" And he's like, "Nope." And he's like, 
he likes them because they're not real. Right? Right. It's called escapism, Doc. Please uh, tell me more about this. You want to know why? Because the world sucks. <laughs> and you know what's cool? Monsters and monster movies. It's fun. It makes me happy. This kid's like making like, you know, uh, he's, he's creating like little explosions with like flash powder and everything. Like, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. This kid's a genius. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, he, yeah, he has his flash powder and stuff. Cause, and that's how he, he actually tries to scare his aunt before he like puts on, you know, he like sets up this light and puts on this fucking like Dr. Zayas mask and this fucking cape. But he forgot to put shoes on. That was the big giveaway. Well, yeah, right. And he's uh chicken feet. No, but Satan's little helper. Anyway. Uh, yeah, he, he like, makes this fucking thing where, like, plugging, uh, uh, like, an electrical cord, like, putting it inside, uh, or next to some flash powder and, like, plugging it in, and it, like, you know, poofs the flash powder and it makes all the smoke and stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. It's a cool little character trait for this kid. Yeah. This kid's probably kicking the shit out of his science class, like. <laughs> but, yeah, so the uncle, like, you know, grills him is maybe the wrong way to put it, but he definitely treats him like he's one of his patients. Yeah, again, he's taking notes for, like, this, this child psychology thing and he's like oh what better way to do it than with my weird nephew the big reveal the big reveal here is that the the kid charles has doesn't have dreams about actual monsters he's actually scared of like people chasing him right right so that's that's a thing that just to show you that this kid like isn't crazy or weird or anything he just likes fucking monster movies and that's okay you know what i mean and has a rational fear of human beings because we're terrible yes yeah i did think it was funny how the uncle after they're done uh, Charles is like, yeah, any more questions? Like, no, uh, end of session. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Asshole. You can fuck off now. I'm going to take a nap for the rest of the movie. Fuck off. That'll be, that'll be $100. <laughs> Charges his nephew $100. Okay, get the fuck out of here, kid. So then Millie leaves, and she puts a note on the door because when Mom had written that note, she says, like, oh, someone's got to be here for the electrician. Right. He's going to, yeah, he's going to come in the back or some shit. Uh, so, so... Uncle Herb goes to take a nap, and that's kind of the end of Uncle Herb's arc, and we see one of these fucking things crawling under- <laughs> It's the end of Uncle Herb, as we find out. Well, a little bit later, we get that inkling, because you see one of these fucking things crawling under the carpet. You know what he reminds me of in this little instance? He reminds me of, uh, was it Phil from, uh, uh, Shaun of the Dead, who's like, who's- story culminates in a chair oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah a little bit um and, and joe you mentioned one of these little things under a carpet can you uh, elaborate on that a little bit um it's the deadly spawn tm the spawn of the deadly spawn <laughs> <laughs> yes because apparently you know i i joke about the alien queen and obviously this predates that but uh this thing has Essentially given birth to about a hundred of these little things are like slugs almost. Yeah, it basically, again, it's like this amorphous kind of blob, essentially. Disgusting blob. These penis slugs. They're like little tadpoles. Mm -hmm. But if you blew up the head and then like gave them, gave them teeth large enough to actually do, any, do some fucking damage. It reproduces asexually. It like, sp it like spores these things out and they kind of just kind of come out of it. We're, we're going to get into it right now anyway. And, Cause this is, this is the scene where you get the entire lore of these creatures without a fucking word being spoken, which is pretty amazing. Well, first, first Joe, the plumber shows up, <laughs> right? Joe, well, well, yeah. And he's like, huh? Okay. Yeah. Cause right before this, the power goes out. Um, but, you know, the guy was coming regardless because I guess mom and dad had called him the day before earlier, you know, prior to the movie. And he, you know, he wanders down into the cellar, never to be seen again. Yeah, the fucking electrician's there. Uh, 
and uh, all the power goes out in the house, and like fucking uh, Pete gets all pissed off because he's like on the phone or whatever, and he's like, "Oh, of course, just you know, just my luck or whatever." So there's no power in the fucking house. Charles, are you hiding somewhere? Scare me. <laughs> no, that's just a werewolf, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an alien from space. Now this kid has some balls because he can't scare anybody in the house. At least my understanding is like he. Everybody knows his shtick, so everybody's like, oh, you can't scare me. So I guess his plan is to go down into the basement and scare the shit out of this electrician. <laughs> While he's working on the electrical box. That's a smart idea. <laughs> this kid's got to fix. He might die, but at least I'll scare him. It'll be worth it. <laughs> so he puts his cape on and his fucking Dr. Zayas mask, and he goes into the basement. And he already, you know, he, as soon as he's down there, he just notices something is, like, not right. He walks down into the basement and sees all the same shit his, his mom saw. Uh, but this time now he doesn't make a sound right but he sees this fucking thing just chowing down on on mom's corpse and it's like fucking like laying (laughs) it's like laying it's her body is like next to this thing and all these little spawns are like eating her fucking legs and shit and all this stuff and they're all scurrying through the fucking puddles in the basement and shit charles takes it like a fucking badass he just he's like whoa all right start the planning phase the thing drops his mother's head like out of its big mouth and he just has to like look at it as it gets devoured man this he okay First, I just want to note, like, the effects for these little tadpoles going through, like, puddles and the dirt and shit and, like, on walls and stuff. Um, Again, with the budget that they had, these things look fucking amazing. It looks so good and creepy. Yeah, and now that I know how much this all costs, like... I'm kind of bewildered by how they did so many of them because there's a shit ton of them. It's fucking phenomenal. It's amazing. Well, they're but they're not necessarily devouring the mother's body. Actually, it's it's Joe the plumber is getting eaten alive. Oh, excuse me. Yes, you're right. You're right. I wish I went to the beyond. I would have survived that film. Obviously. <laughs> oh wait, I'll be back. Wh- which film do you think he got it worsen? Because he gets pretty fucked up in that movie too. I w- I would say the beyond. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If, if that even means anything to you, because this is brutal. He gets it fucking good. So, so yeah, like Sean said, this fucking... So, so he sees this giant monstrosity and all these things, like, eating uh, this corpse. And this thing opens its mouth and just throws up his mother's head onto the floor. And it, like, rolls, like, right next to him, like, looking up at him. And he just, like Connor said, he just takes it like a fucking champ. He's just super quiet, and he's like, this is this is really fucked up. As I was watching it, like, he's looking at this thing, and I kind of, in my head, he's like, Mom, the potatoes went bad! <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. It's like, a, it's like a worse Goosebumps book. This is such a great scene, too. This is, like, one of the iconic scenes from the film. Um... These these little the you know the little deadly spawn uh are like biting pieces of mom's face and like r- like her face is just coming apart like her flesh off her skull it's fucking great and they all run off with little pieces like <laughs> <laughs> well I I kind of love this visual too because we see one of these things get stuck in one of his grandmother's mouse traps <laughs> it's not your grandmother's mouse trap though I think it might have been actually but. Uh, point being, he realizes, you know, he picks up on the fact that they don't have eyes because they're just kind of wandering aimlessly. Sean, it's no fucking good if you don't got gloves, all right? Yeah, yeah, you know, mom and dad, they didn't have the gloves, and that's what caused them to get killed, obviously. Here, let me give you this thing that probably violates several laws and can take your foot off. You like glue traps, pal? <laughs> Peter Weller's over there putting them down. Uh, just ignore me. They told me you had a, uh, deadly spawn infestation. <laughs> you had some kind of, uh... 
Uh, of unknown origin thing over here. Oh, it came from space. I'll leave. Do you know these things can chew through concrete? <laughs> because they're they're going through your your the, the ceiling right now. The floorboards. Do you see them scrambling up there? They're biting the electrics and stuff. Every time I repeat this gag, I look over at my fucking rat who's just asleep after seeing several <laughs> sugary treats. Like, <laughs> hey hey young man, you have uh, what's with the dead robbers and the dead uh Texas Chainsaw guy over here? Like, what's going on with that? Uh, Harry and Marv are in the corner too, dude. I mean, it's a flooded basement. I gotta at least make that joke every damn time right no that's fine did you know those mosquito eggs down there too they're just waiting to hatch yeah waiting for a warm day yeah wait how many times have we killed the the, the wet bandits <laughs> the wet bandits are eternal <laughs> we keep murdering them in, in various basements <laughs> I, I again this is the mdu i don't know if uh, john keeps moving the bodies or if you know they might not even really be there this is peter weller he's a he's an untrusty narrator narrator to begin with so it's true he just popped in to say hey I, I, i'm not dealing with this bye now the first time i watched this uh i didn't really understand what was happening but on a rewatch it totally makes sense and i like it quite a bit uh charles you know like i was kind of saying he realizes that these things don't use don't have eyes so they're just basing all their uh movements on sound and feel mm-hmm yeah. And uh, he kind of, like, takes a chance here. He had previously dropped his flashlight, which is going to be important in a second. But he brings his fingers up near his face, and he snaps them. And as soon as he does that, they all fucking turn and look at him. And then the big motherfucker mama comes over to him and is about to bite his goddamn head off. Yeah. And he this really tense scene, Charles slow as hell. He bends down, grabs the flashlight, his hand shaking like a motherfucker. And then he just tosses it towards a wall, and they they fucking scurry off after it. And uh, it's a tense scene. Oh, yeah, man, and he fucking books it. Again, like, you don't see this kind of shit anymore in, like, low-budget filmmaking. Everybody's trying to fucking do shit super fast and, like, super cheap and super dumb. And, like, everybody gave a shit working on this because that fucking whole scene is really, really well put together. And it's creepy. I can't think of another immediate immediate example of like a because he's, he's your essentially your protagonist like yeah of a a protagonist in a horror film like meeting like the horror and then immediately going into like the planning and figuring out phase yeah he recognizes like oh shit i'm in trouble and then investigates like you know how this thing can sense him and then immediately formulates a way to get out and then starts figuring out a way to kill this thing. It's awesome. <laughs> because the monster movie's paid off, dude. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, big time. And, you know, I, we, the Tommy Jarvis joke is on the money because Tommy uses his, uh, you know, his expertise to, to not physically contend with Jason, but also mentally fuck with him, which I think is an even cooler part of that thing. Oh, totally, yeah. I just want to note one more thing before we move on. So these things are now changing, right? The little There's, like, little, little ones that are tadpole-esque. Now we got ones that are growing fucking arms and shit, and, and they're getting bigger. They're, like, big as your forearm. Because Ellen and Frankie, Pete's friends, arrive, and uh, they have one of them. That they found, like, next to his house, like, in the street or whatever. Yeah, and, the, and now now this is kind of neat, too, because they're all science majors, and I believe she's specifically biology. I, I would imagine so, based on the fact that she dissects this thing. Right, well, they're I, and they're having a test. They're all in the same class. Even though, like, Pete's doing, like, focusing on astronomy, he still has to take these other science courses. Yeah, you know what? It's got to be biology, because they keep listing off these terms that I have no idea what they mean. It's been about ten years since I took a biology class. Which is kind of cool, though, because, like, they're students. I could imagine being a biology student student and finding something that I've never fucking seen before and then applying scientific theory to it, right? I I love the idea quite a bit and the way they 
the way they did this effect is pretty fucking awesome, especially for a low-budget film uh, where she gets, like, this, you know, uh, do-it-yourself-at-home dissection kit with, like, fucking push pins and a kitchen knife, and she cuts this thing open. It's great, man. Um, and there's fucking Fig Newtons inside this thing. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I liked it, though. I, even though it doesn't look perfect or anything. I mean, it's an alien worm thing. Who cares? I thought it was a cool effect, the way they cut it open, and there's all these guts inside. Oh, no, dude. It's it's fucking great. I, I And again, like you said, like, I love that idea. I love when that happens in films, right? Like, you know, they find the body of the creature, and they, they kind of hypothesize what it could be and, like, how it functions and shit. It's that, Like, that's a cool way to do that, you know? Yeah, she's, she's standing over, she's going, like, that's not a dog. <laughs> it's trying to be a dog. That's imitation. It's not an alien. It's just trying to go to sleep in the water. It's just trying, yeah. It's just trying to get to the basement. <laughs> It also doesn't feel shoehorned at all, because a lot of movies I feel like that would kind of play with this idea. If they don't have a scientist or medical character, it's like, okay, why the fuck are you doing that? But they they go out of their way in the first 15, 20 minutes of this film explaining how this guy's, like we've talked about, it's a science major, his friends are all science majors, so it just kind of fits. It's this awesome concept of, like, exposition and character development. It's really impressive. (laughs) Uh, When we watched Black Christmas, one of the things we said about it that was, I know, what a weird translation to that movie no it's fine i get where you're going i get where you, i see where you're going we always we a big thing we talked about that, that was so good is that there was never a contrivance that actually i don't think the movie had any contrivances uh the movie felt very streamlined and nothing none of the points of action or turned like events that occurred felt irrational illogical or un like unlikely uh and everything felt very natural and this movie also does the same thing you have lots of stuff that doesn't feel forced and there's no contrivances and you can just kind of absorb it without getting taken out of it absolutely i'll, I'll tell you right now if that was me i might have come to the conclusion to dissect it but i would have just taken a knife and cut that thing in half and probably ruined half of it oh yeah i mean i i don't know if i would have dissected it in my sink i mean maybe just because i'm because I, I would like to do it like i would you know what i mean like <laughs> I'm not a fucking biology major. It's it's the furthest thing from sterile you can think of, but I mean, hey, maybe she knows what she's doing. Yeah, but it's also like, I don't know what the fuck this thing is, and it doesn't look right. More realistically, I'd probably say get this out of my fucking house, but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to give myself some credit that maybe I'd get there, but uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. Sean's like, hey, cool, take it outside. Yeah, exactly, Connor, that's what I would... It'd be a bad idea when you know how the movie ends, but like, if it was really happening, you're right, I probably would just say, get this the fuck out, throw that away, get it out of my house what are you doing <laughs> i'm so happy you found it bring it home um looks like some kind of mutated fish or something i don't know <laughs> yeah they say that it could be like a an earthworm or like a lamprey or, or uh, you know some kind of mutated eel or some shit man if if someone was like earthworm confirmed i'd be like i'm moving into the trees <laughs> Well, that's the, my first concern. I, I'm never touching the ground ever again. <laughs> that's my first concern, right? Is there more of these fucking things? And should I be worried about it? Yeah, no, true. So then we go over to this plot B, I guess we'll call it, with Millie and, and Grandma. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was funny as hell because I've had people in my family like this in the past where it's like, all right, I'm over here to help you out. What do you need me to do? And then, like, the other person's like, well, you know, you, you get the low man on the totem pole job. Just clean the fucking vegetables. You don't get to do anything else. And Millie has, like, this great look on her face like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. I'll just wash the vegetables, Mom. Oh, totally. She's like, oh, you want me to cut the tomato? Up. She's like, oh, my word. Oh, no, no. Don't, don't, don't you dare skin those eggplants. It goes into my special green sauce. It turns you into a plant person. I rue the day I pluck you from that orphanage. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, okay, so I guess just Millie is just like out of the movie. Don't know why we need to see this, but sure. 
Little did I know. <laughs> it comes, it, it's it's a nice little uh, side plot. Yeah, she did not get Joe estevez No. So, like, like, the whole reason she's over there is because, uh, just real quick, she's having, like, this this vegetarian luncheon for her and her friends or whatever. Yeah, the Blue Hair Society. The, yes, the, the WLWL. Miss Titmarsh comes over, too. She's in there. It's the WLWL. WL. <laughs> get my dress! <laughs> So, this is the scene, I think, that Connor was alluding to earlier that drove him up the wall. Because Pete is just being super contrary about this fucking slug monster. Yes. Well, he's, when you first meet him, he's on the phone with... Frankie, yeah. Frankie, and he is just like, he's an arrogant prick the entire time he's on the phone. And you only hear his half of the conversation. But you don't need to hear the other half because what you're getting from him is, like, dismissals, belittling, and, like, just... Whatever point is being brought to him, he's like, now, that's stupid. Whatever. Let's move on. No, I said it's stupid. Let's move on. And then kind of same thing here. He's shooting down every proposed theory about what this thing is because I don't know what his deal is, but he can't wrap his head around the idea of this thing possibly existing. And he's like, yeah. He's like, well, whatever happened to the scientific method? Whatever happened to predictability? Like we're applying it, douchebag. But that's the whole thing. That's They're applying scientific theory and hypothesizing what this thing is. And he's just like, that's gotcha, possible that's stupid like connor was saying he reminds me of a flat earther who just got shown like ear if you like if you took a flat earther into like the lower atmosphere like look circle and they're like hologram like (laughs) (laughs) well what's even more strange is that he's primarily uh, into astronomy and it's like you mean the study of other planets and life thereof that could possibly exist and thing and who knows what else space you should be overjoyed at the idea that this thing could come from space and you're like pish posh exactly exactly right because that's the whole thing I don't know if we said that or not, but Ellen and Frankie are hypothesizing that this thing came from space because it doesn't match anything in, like, any of their science books. And that's why Pete is like, oh, uh, there's no way. We, got, we have to base it on fact. And Ellen's like, yeah, but you have to kind of think outside the box or else you're not, you're, you're never going to get anywhere. That's the straw. Yeah, that's the straw that he's like, you, what do you mean an alien? That's impossible. That's, that's where it all goes out the fucking window. I also think that he may have some academic jealousy because he didn't find it this thing no he didn't cut it open and he's not pointing out any observations about this he's standing in the back room with his hands on his hips going look he gets a c in biology okay that's that's why he's pissed off so while he's like debating this with them frankie's like all right i gotta get some fucking air and he goes to use the bathroom well when he comes back he he's like kind of spooked and he and he mentions to them he's like yeah you know what when i went to the bathroom i saw one of those slug things but it, it was like alive i thought and uh, when I came back, it wasn't there anymore. And you see it, like, on the railing, kind of, like, hissing and huffing. And, uh, yeah, they come out. And, you know, while he was at the bathroom, essentially, Pete is asking out Ellen. And she's not really giving him a straight answer. She's into him. And they end up, like, kissing. But it, it, it never feels, like, forced or anything. Because she thinks that he likes the other chick, the blonde that we see later. Oh, right. Yeah, they do kiss. I did forget about that. You're right. But, I mean, it's 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 nothing, like, egregious or, or, or weird or anything. They're, they like each other. Who gives a shit? <laughs> It's not going to matter in about five minutes anyway. (laughs) No. We take a quick trip back to Grandma's just to see that the tadpoles have now entered her home, but we don't really see why or where that's going yet. Uh, Although although Millie does love that ceramic giraffe that her mother has. It's beautiful. I just got it yesterday. Don't you love it? Fucking Millie. Find the best out of this horrible situation. Like... (laughs) 
an optimist. We get a little, a couple more scenes here before we go out all fucking into a crazy, uh, um, you know, monster fest. Uh, one of the spawn like crawls down a fucking garbage disposal. The other one makes its way into a fucking blender <laughs> that they're making this green sauce in. I love all that because they make it a point to keep showing you these things are clumsy as fuck. Yeah. Like they can't see. They're just like their best physical trait is the mouth and their ability to, to like feed. Other than that, it can't see. It doesn't have legs. It doesn't have any limbs. It's a f- it's a fucking little pod that will fall to its doom if it's not guided correctly. <laughs> they're literally like listening around and just biting at anything they can get their mouth on. Yes, they're like the lemmings in the fucking video game. If you don't corral them correctly, they'll just fall to their deaths. Like I don't think that Millie and Grandma are using their eyes either, because like Joe just said, this thing goes right in the food processor and they serve it to their guests. It looks like the fucking throw up from uh, the bar from fucking Bad Taste that they're all drinking. Oh, yeah, dude. This thing goes right into the Peltzer Peeler juicer and into this fucking green, I don't know, vegetarian sauce. There's this hilarious line because all the all the women get there for the party. Oh, dude, the bitty train cometh. Yeah, and, and Grandma comes out with all the food. She's like, I put something new in it this time. Oh, you've, you... Somebody brings something. It's so fucking funny. Oh, a zucchini... I don't know what. But she goes, oh, you've done it again you've made such an amazing vegetarian dish cucumbers onions and mayonnaise i can't wait to try it you think granny van dam like drops in and like brings like meat like fucks with them oh yeah it's completely of uh, meat free dude gvd runs fucking just like shoots a missile a small one knocks the door down and just like strolls in <laughs> with this like this rack of rib just stretched across her lap. She's like, all right, bitches. She uses the uh, alternate fire on that fucking shotgun she got from Koopa Land. Oh, my God. She just has a doorbuster specifically in her wheelchair. She's just like, fire up the grill. Brontosaurus burgers for everybody. Uh, uh, GVD, we don't eat meat. Oh, it's Morningstar, obviously. Wink, wink. <laughs> Good luck getting me to leave. <laughs> Why did you tell her we were having a party? We didn't. She just winks. <laughs> I can hear your thoughts. So yeah, this fucking thing goes in the, the blender and everybody's like, oh my God, I can't wait to eat it. And they eat it and they all want to fucking throw up. So then we get a quick scene. You know, we haven't left grandma's house yet, but Millie, she tries calling the house. She can't get through. Well, in the time span that it takes her to make that phone call, which is what, maybe 30 seconds to a minute, let's say. <laughs> Sure. Grandma and the rest are getting fucking eaten alive like this is gremlins in the other room. <laughs> Looks like a PSA for I've fallen and I can't get up. Like the- <laughs> These fucking worms besiege these geriatric women. <laughs> Senior sister on the floor like, yeah. I love how grandma like backs up into that fucking ceramic giraffe statue and it like gets her right in the poop hole. <laughs> Grandma's got one on the side of her fucking temple like Elmer trying to suck that dude's brain out. Uh, uh, the, the, the old German guy in in uh, brain damage. And you just see GVD. Ah, this is one hell of a party you brought me to! Oh, she's fucking scooping him up, dude. She's bringing him home. I need to tell John Hurt all about this. She, that's why she was there. She's like, I'm come to bring them home. Oh, they, they got out of their tank. I'm sorry. They got out of their Pokeball. Oh. <laughs> 
You know, Hurt's got that Pokemon farm. Son of a bitch. So then they they get all these fuckers off of them, and they, they just book it to the cars. They're all trying to pile into the station wagon. Uh, and it's so, like, it's so, it feels real, right? Yeah. These things are, like, behind p- the, the paintings on the wall, and they're, like, underneath the couch and shit, biting people's feet and stuff. And these poor women run out of the house with, like, no shoes on or coats or umbrellas and shit trying to get into the station wagon. It's pouring rain. I was getting heavy-duty aberration uh, flashbacks. I was waiting for, you know, let's not even talk about GVD. I was waiting for Simon Basel to come in and just start firing at the wall, missing every single one of these things. He's got that twenty-two, dude. He's ready to light some motherfuckers up. Where's that flaming broom? No, now he now he would show up as a seasoned veteran. Like, he shows up with, like, a, this, like, upgraded weapon. <laughs> dude, he's dressed up like Ernest P. Worrell and fucking Ernest Scared Stupid with all that junk on. Yeah, he totally shows up ready to go. This is Punish Basel. <laughs> he's got a fucking, like, bandana and an eye patch. He's like, I've come to... He's like, come with me if you want to live. And Simon Basel starts blowing him away. <laughs> Yeah, man, the aberrationer. Oh, my God. They get in the car. He's like, hold on a second. They hide in there. He's like getting in the car with a fucking flamethrower. He like blows it through the fucking air conditioning vents and all these slugs <laughs> fall out. Oh, no. He's got Daisy with him. <laughs> You're never going to believe this. Deadly spawn. Uh, yes. I, I I cannot get that image out of my head now. Now I, now I need to have punished fucking Simon Basel. That needs to happen. So good. So, yeah, we cut back to, to uh, the other house, and um, I believe that, don't the kids walk in? They're like, something weird's going on here. Let's go get Uncle Herb. And they walk in the room, and fucking Uncle Herb's got one of these things, like, burrowing through his chest. He's, like, <laughs> asleep on the chair. He got the Yuri treatment. Oh, yeah, man, he got yuri straight up. Uncle Yuri has been uh, sucked clean like a lobster. Like, he's just... <laughs> He's just a husk of a man. His insides are gone. He is a fucking shell on that chair because I'm imagining this has been going on because he died sitting down. So I imagine he passed out and then just got feasted on because like there's a, like, a, I don't know, half a dozen of these things on him and they've curled through his eye sockets. They're coming at his chest. Did he take a Kalana pin before he went? To, like, is, is that what happened? <laughs> You know, he gets really worn out after sessions. He's got to take a nap and recharge the old battery. <laughs> what is he, fucking Charles Xavier? He's got to give his shit a rest? I would love to see the fucking the postmortem in this, like, ooh, what happened to this guy? It's fine. He took some opioids before it happened. He didn't feel a fucking thing. He was, he was riding the dragon, dude. I mean, he gets taken out like, you know, the guy in fucking, uh, you know, let, let's bring it back to the show. You know, I was, I'm joking about Aberration, but another one that came to mind while watching this was Silent Night, Deadly Night 5 with the Larry the Larva scene. Oh, yeah, Larry, that's their cousin, is Larry the Larva. It could be, honestly. You know, you know, I think that's what uh, Pino based the uh, design off of, was one of these creatures. Again, like, maybe that was like a GVD thing that, like, wasn't ready yet. Right, Pino still hadn't perfected it. Yes. <laughs> GVD's just smacking him with a purse. I told you it wasn't done! You, ca- you can't just take th- a little of this and a little of that, it has to be precise! So they fuck. So Uncle Herb is fucking dead, and Mama Alien blows through the fucking door, and they're just and they freak out and they run upstairs. I'd love that this thing finally decides to come upstairs. I also would love to see how, because you never see these things like like it doesn't have feet as far as I know. No, it's like a big slug. Like I'm sure it slithers up. You know. Yeah, I, it wasn't in the budget, but I'm I'm sure like if this thing was mobile, it would like move like a snake almost. It's a speedster. It's like. <laughs> I was just saying it's a Dalek. Like, it just fucking floats. It's got wheels, you know. So they so they run up to the room, but not before Kathy gets there. Poor Kathy. So so as the fucking deadly spawn is coming through the house, Kathy comes in. She's like, hey, what's up, guys? And they fucking grab her and run upstairs. <laughs> 
Dude, Kathy's introduction to this movie is like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> so they're all up in the fucking, um, in the, in, uh, Charles's bedroom, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. They go, they go into Charles's bedroom. So then they're kind of like arguing, oh, we, we gotta get to my bedroom. We gotta get to my bedroom. It's got a phone. We can call the police. And they're all in there. And then, and then, uh, Pete's like, oh, we gotta, you know, like Sean said, we gotta get out. We gotta get to a phone in my room. So, Charles comes up the stairs and like distracts it at first to get the get it away from the door and in that in that window most of them are able to get out like Kathy, Frankie and and Pete like get out and and make the beeline to the other room. Right, but Ellen freezes up. She doesn't she doesn't go and the monster, you know, Charles distracts it with a radio but it just eats it. Yeah. <laughs> And then it goes back to the room, and Ellen's just standing there, and there's this window behind her that she really just waits till the last possible second to try to go out. And uh, the monster bites her fucking head off. This fucking thing, like, charges at her, and just, it, her whole head goes in its mouth. She fuck it bites it off, and then her fucking headless corpse goes flying out the window onto the ground below. It's fantastic. The dummy that falls out the window yeah. was really convincing. Like, it didn't have that thing that where you see, like, the elbows bent the wrong way, the knees bent upward and touched the chest. Like, it wasn't rigid like Ricky Ho when the girlfriend falls off the fucking roof. It looks like it moves proportionally. It looks awesome. Um, also, it doesn't just bite her head off. It decapitates her and also crushes her head like a fucking grape at the same time. It is ghastly. Yeah, it fucking pops, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when Pete finally sees that his parents' car is in the fucking garage. Yeah, because they're like they end up in the attic, and Kathy's like, "What the fuck was that?" Ah! And he's like, "Oh, we gotta get out of here. We gotta climb out the window." And that's when he sees the the parents' car is still there, and kind of puts it together. And he like climbs out onto the fucking roof, and he's trying to like get around. But then he sees Ellen's corpse, and he literally faints. Yeah, like he she's her body's on the ground, and he just fucking he just like gives up at that point right like this is the part where his brain like shuts down and he's like nope this isn't real this isn't real at all this isn't happening you know i mean i kind of get it like the guy's annoying but if you saw that like i don't care if you liked her didn't like her or what you see a dead body in this monster somewhere in the house i might lose a little blood too oh he's terrified but it, it, he shuts down in a way that's dangerous for everybody yeah fuck him oh right at the end of the day yeah like it's fucked up because because frankie sees him and he's like get the fuck in here he pulls him back in the window and then pete is just like this isn't real this isn't it can't be real it's 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 you know whatever i'm going out there and he's like dude keep that fucking door shut because there's a giant monster on the other side of it he stops being of use to anybody even himself and then just becomes an active threat to anybody around him because he's now just he's descended into irrationality and madness yeah to the point where like his next move could be like the thing that kills everybody uh you need to elaborate on that. Just explain what he does next, because this guy is an asshole. Yeah, he like he like goes to try to open the fucking door and like make a run for it. And he's like, "It's not real. I'm just gonna go run into it." Oh, that's right. Yes, this is this is when he's in full denial that it's even there. Like he's just, he's gonna pass through it physically. Like it's a, it's a specter of his imagination. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like he's got one of Lubden's fucking shillings, and he's gonna fucking survive an attack. <laughs> Because he's, like, trying to get its attention, then it breaks the door down and attacks. Mm -hmm. But, thank God, I thought this guy was dead and I was kind of happy about it, but, you know, he's not. Yeah. Uh, and thank God for Charles, by the way, because he comes in and saves the fucking day. Uh, he, like, he like tells everybody to shut up, and 
he's able to keep them quiet long enough for the deadly spawn to be in the attic without detecting them while he goes and makes a fucking bomb to blow this thing up. <laughs> yeah. Charles fucking rules, all right? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, dude. He takes that he takes like a uh he takes a mannequin head and uh a mask, like a like a like a caveman mask or some shit, pours the you know, puts the whole bottle of fucking flash powder in there, and then put he cuts off a uh, um an electric cord to to a lamp and puts the the two ends into the powder bottle and like puts clay over it to like hold it in place and he's got a fucking he's got like an extra extension cord that he puts in his back pocket and this whole thing is like he's gonna try to get this thing to eat this head and then he's gotta plug it in for the explosion to go off yeah exactly and like now that we just didn't think about pete it's interesting that pete is presented as this like kind of stuffy academic who when faced with like a life or death situation is fucking worthless (laughs) and then his brother who is who is you know the conversation around him is like oh i wish you would stop watching the horror movies blah 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 blah, is the most intuitive like prepared and collected person in the whole movie (laughs) well and, and to your point connor like let's go back to kind of what we were talking about earlier in this episode you know the uncle is all worried about charles not being able to tell the difference between reality and fantasy and now at, with this mental breakdown that Pete's having, he cannot differentiate fantasy from reality. I didn't even connect those dots until right now. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, and just how out of fucking touch he is and, like, how he can't correlate what the fuck's happening because he's because his brain's not thinking that way, right? Because he never kind of puts himself in those situations or those fantasy uh, positions, you know? Oh, my God, he's a Lovecraftian protagonist who is a side character in this movie. Yeah. I have seen this thing. My mind cannot handle it. I have gone insane. Yep, get him some morphine, dude. He's going to end up in fucking Arkham. I would love that to be the ending. Someone's like, all right, well, take him upstate. Rubber room for him. Put him in the fucking Charles Dexter ward room. So then he has this uh, bomb that he just made, essentially, and he screams to get the monster's attention. And, uh... It bites it. Yeah, well, it, not at first, right? It's going after it, and then it's not. And then he he actually jams it into its fucking mouth, uh, and it swallows it. Doesn't it nag his cape at some point, or it almost... Well, another, like, a big fucking worm drops on his chest, and he he's like, you think he's gonna fucking eat it, or, or get killed, rather. And the deadly spawn's coming after him, and he's, like, stabbing this big one with, like, a screwdriver. And the, the big mama one goes to bite it goes to bite him, but ends up biting the smaller deadly spawn and like eats its like baby, right? Because it can't see. And I th- I want to say you're right, Connor. It might not like grab the cape, but it might be just like on the cape as it's eating the other one because he's kind of like really struggling to plug this thing into the wall. Well, he's struggling to plug it into the wall because the it, 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 the cord's not long enough. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs the fucking monster to come closer. It's not like it's not holding him back, right? Per se. So he plugs the extension cord in. It's still not long enough, and then uh, it starts to go for Kathy and Frankie and Pete. And he starts, like, smacking the fucking ground to get this thing going. And he ends up standing up and stabbing this fucking thing in the mouth with the ski pole. And then that's, that's uh, you know, enough for it to come after him. And then he fucking plugs it in. And uh, this thing explodes all over this fucking attic, dude. Charles is relishing in the destruction for sure. I mean, this is fucking, this is Graboid special, dude. It, this thing is all over the walls of this place. Okay. Then the movie just kind of wraps up very quickly. It's like a montage, but it's so 
I don't want to use the word abridged because it doesn't feel abridged. It's brief, but like there's kind of like this quick like summation of like the locals kind of discovering these things and the story spreading and first responders showing up and police showing up. And it's like you get this big kind of like supercut of like the wrap up of this situation. And I think it kind of works pretty well because at some point I forgot about Pete altogether during the ending. So I was like, fuck that asshole. And then like at some point they do show him and he's like sitting down and someone's got like a towel room and he is a shattered man like he's just there's nothing left of that dude it's a great way to it's a great way to tell that story without having to show the entire town getting attacked right i, I guess when you think about the budget and I, I know i said it ends abruptly but i guess i'm just comparing it to stuff like even though i didn't like this movie like monster in the closet i feel like the, you know obviously bigger budget for that film but mm. i liked how that movie was like the last quarter of that film everyone knows about it whereas this one is kind of sandwiched into the final five sure it does work well but it does feel rushed at the same time well it you know the it's this epicenter the epicenter of this uh 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 threat is in the middle of nowhere so it takes time to get to these other houses obviously got grandmas and it probably only got to a a few other handfuls of a handful of uh, houses out there well, you know, Basel's walking around with that fucking broom on fire with the Elton John glasses, just fucking putting them out of their misery. Oh, dude, he's crocodile rocking all over it. Like, he's got a pile of them on fire, and he's just sitting there with, like, a radio next to him. He's like, what took you guys so long? I've been here for hours. Like, Speaking of which, there's a pile of these things on fire. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Simon Basel's rounding them up. Basel's already been there. They have fucking cattle prods, and they're, like, they're like combing the area trying to kill these things. I think this is a really good way to it it's it wraps up like a tv episode or something it's brief they tell you as they they give you an aftermath without having to spend 20 more minutes on anything they do it in two and it's really effective and it's all visual you know you see you see uh everybody you know rounding rounding up and killing uh the the other deadly spawns uh like the the babies or the, the you know the the juvenile ones and like ellie shows up uh, with grandma and Frankie and Kathy going in a cop car and they're, they, you know, that kind of, that kind of wraps up. And then Ellie, you know, and grandma reunite with Pete and they take Pete out of the house and then they bring, uh, Charlie and, um, Millie to a, uh, to a cop car and, um, and they, and they kind of put him in and kind of wrap everybody up, but like pretty quickly you know what i mean without having them to be like what happened well this happened and this happened and then everything's fine we even have a cop uh you know make a comment over the radio like oh yeah you know somebody found a three-footer uh they just pulled a six-footer out of the attic yeah and it's like whoa how big are these fucking things exactly how big can they get and there's like a doctor on scene too that's the other thing too is that it conveys some kind of building frenzy without having to show you anything else that's happening outside of this block and super effective i was sitting there thinking you know okay the main one was six feet i feel like it looked bigger but sure let's say it's six feet and they're saying okay somebody found a three-footer this thing has been on the planet for less than a day you know i was quickly you know my as these thoughts are running through my mind i'm like damn how big can these fucking things get uh slam cut to my answer (laughs) (laughs) there's a cop in the car this is this is where it is sean because he's like he's like holy shit man they pulled fucking six footer out of a goddamn attic that's that's huge right and then there's just like this big rumbling sound and you see this great miniature set um, of, like, the house and, like, this big hill. Wait, hold, before you say what you're about to say, they show this miniature in the, like, right after the opening with the campers. 
I think the establishing shot you get of this area is this shot, but it's a it's it's a daytime shot. So yeah. So there's a big rumble. The cops like what the fuck, and this giant ass deadly spawn. Its head fucking blows out of the side of this mountain and or this hill rather, and just opens its mouth, and then boom, we cut to credits. <laughs> it is like rift worm size, like giant purple worm ass monster. Oh yeah, it's Audrey too. It is so big that when it like when it bursts open, like the top layer of its jaw was clearly the terrain that you'd be standing on if you were over there. Like that's how you don't even see the full mouth. It's gigantic. Mm-mm. Uh, and I always I love that too. I think I was just talking about that on the on the Kong live stream. Like when something's so large that it's an island or a hill or something, and then it's like this you know a giant monster. Yep. I think you got to send Jason Statham after that. He has a lot of experience fighting giant monsters, specifically the Meg. But I think it's in the same. Uh family maybe don't you know we'd have to ask pete but he's a little comatose at the minute pete's just in his cell just drawing eldritch symbols all over the place just like <laughs> he's pulled out his own teeth like he's yeah just- he's sam neil and fucking in the mouth of bandits he's got the crosses all over him oh god yes he's everyone in uh in uh, eternal darkness sandy's requiem like <laughs> i'm also thinking of like gears of war 2 i mean granted a giant giant worm monster is not a very original idea but in gears of war 2 they had that where there was these giant worms that they would use the uh the locust mo- you know enemies basically the monsters that lived under the ground use these giant worms to build tunnels and uh, they had to s- they had to send the cog in uh you know marcus phoenix and the gang uh to go inside the thing and they, they killed it from the inside out uh, I think that's how you have to kill this thing. You gotta send Charles in there with a fucking squad. He goes in there with, with Punished Basel and GVD, and they fucking take care of business. They they blow up the hearts. Call fucking Maladib, dude. He'll take care of it. Spice must flow. <laughs> there you go. GVD has no allegiances. She's like, she'll show up because she's just that chaotic. She's like, sure, I'll, sh- I'll fight this fucking giant worm. Who cares? Hey, there's a party going on. Let's do it. I mean, if we're saying that she's going in to this, this part... I'm thinking about Deadpool 2. You know, Bo- Basel's basically... Ca- Did you finally see Deadpool 2? Well, it, let me finish my damn joke first. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Simon, Punished Basel is basically Cable, and GVD's obviously Deadpool. <laughs> and uh, I guess the worm is Juggernaut, so I guess it's going to get a uh, electrical cord shoved up its ass and dumped into the Atlantic Ocean, I suppose, if it's in New Jersey. I'm going to break you in half now. <laughs> Come here, old lady. I don't know who's Colossus in this situation. Maybe that's Charles. Charles is going to turn metal. It's <laughs> start talking in Russian. Now we break you, big worm. Uh, and that is the deadly spawn. Yeah. So uh, so where are we putting this, fellas? This is a shelf movie. <laughs> are you sure? I mean, maybe I should watch it again. Um, <laughs> I will say, though, when you... So this is a shelf movie. It's great for various reasons. Uh, it's very tight. It's an hour and 18 minutes, something like that. Like it doesn't. It feels even shorter, but it's really fun. It's interesting. Uh, the monster's fantastic. The gore is fantastic. Although, if you watch this in repeated viewings, especially in a in a seven day period, some of the uh, the screams, some of the sound effects become. Uh, maddening. <laughs> it, it, we go into it in the in the interview. We'll talk about that too. We talk about that too. Yeah, the the creature roar, the uh, the 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 vegan the vegetarian party where it's just like it's it sounds like seventy cats being lit on fire. <laughs> There's so much screaming. Um, but outside of that, like yeah, it's really fun and it's interesting and it's an enduring little uh little creature feature that I'm so glad that I, I discovered on some random ass VHS a long time ago. So. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, totally on the shelf. It's been on the shelf, will forever be on the shelf. Uh, this is one of those big inspirational movies for me um, that kind of got me going. I mean, if you've seen any of my short films and stuff, like this was kind of a big influence on like Outhouse too. Um, and you know, rubber, you know, the, the, the eighties rubber monster movies. And even like this film is inspired by atomic age flicks, but has an eighties flavor and it, they go really well together, like peanut butter and jelly baby. Um, I mean, on top of the, on top of all the great effects, uh, by John Dodds and, um, even uh, Doug McCune directed this really well. Uh, the cinematography is is really good. The lighting's really good. I I still it, it still baffles me what they accomplished on that budget. And when you get talented people together who who really care about what they're doing and believe in something, I mean, you can literally do any fuck fucking anything. Uh, and this this movie uh, proves that. Uh, and the fact of it coming out of New Jersey and and me being from New Jersey and growing up in Jersey. Uh, it's just super inspirational. I mean, this is up there with films like Bad Taste and 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 Evil Dead, where you know you have these independent directors that had this vision and this dream, and they and they fucking literally uh, scraped what they could together, and they put all their love and time into it, and 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 their classics, and they 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 stand the test of time because I feel. You know, because because of that love and that and that and that passion, um, they tried to do their best with what they had. They didn't have a, a bajillion dollars to work with, but they made what they had to work with work in a really smart and um, complete way, at least as complete as they could have it. Um, and I think that's why it it really holds up so well. And um, it, it's it's a cla- it's it's one of the classic uh, '80s monster movies, and um, I fucking absolutely love it. Yeah, this is definitely a shelf movie. Uh, I I like this movie quite a bit, actually. You know, I didn't watch it seven times like Connor. I I got two and a half viewings in, <laughs> and uh, I I think I was okay. You know, what else can I really add? You know, the effects are really something to behold, especially for that budget. You know, Joe said what twenty five thousand at the yeah. tops. Like, holy cow! Especially in nineteen eighty three. Like, bravo to the team that did this film. And you know, you know, I'm poking some holes in it here and there, and I'm being a little nitpicky, but you know, that's how I am. Sure, that doesn't mean I didn't like the movie. I I, I liked it a lot. You know, it's uh, it's funny to me that this is like. It reminds me of Orca in the sense of like that was also a cash in on Jaws, but it is like you know beyond that, it really isn't doesn't have anything to do with Jaws. Now, obviously, CB kind of told us that the book maybe went a little heavier into that territory, but the film on its own is just it's its own thing as far as I'm concerned. And I think this film, yeah, you know, there's a couple little things here and there you could say, yeah, that's a little like alien, like you know, it doesn't see. And like I said in the beginning, I feel like that first form was very chest burster like. But that's where, you know, the similarities kind of end for me. Obviously, Alien, like, even though it couldn't see, it obviously always knew where the fuck you were, and that was kind of what made it extra scary. This thing, it doesn't need that, because that's not really the same kind of movie that we're, we're looking at here. I don't know, I, I liked it a lot. Sometimes these B-movies, uh, they, they don't work for me. You know, I mentioned The Boneyard and Monster in the Closet, which maybe I should revisit those just to get a fresh pair of eyes on them. But if you want to hear my thoughts on those, go listen back to the episodes. Um, in case what I said earlier didn't uh, already spell it out for you. But uh, I don't know. This was a good movie. I would recommend it to anybody. 
And uh, I'm kind of curious to see these sequels now, or at least definitely Metamorphosis. That sounds fun. Oh, Metamorphosis is fucking excellent. Like, it's really, really good. There's a ton of stop motion in the... I think the budget was a million something, so they got to play around a lot more with the effects. So if you think the effects are good in this, I mean, they're even better in that. And the ch- it, it's just so fucking charming, too, like all the stop motion stuff and... uh the gore it's fucking awesome i'm gonna definitely have to look it up and, and check it out at some point just because again this was a very fun movie and uh, i don't have much else to say i think we kind of said what i had to say uh and you know what i'm gonna go over to grandma's maybe i'll bring gvd and simon with me uh <laughs> sit down with charles and have a little bit of that green slop that grandma cooked up uh and watch this movie together and uh you know it'll be a little meta but uh this is the mdu so why the fuck not and, uh, yeah, check this out. I, uh, again, don't mean to beat a dead horse, but definitely recommend this one. Yeah, just don't swallow that green shit, dude. You know what? Honestly, I don't mean to, to beat a dead Uncle, uh, Herb. You know, <laughs> a, a dead Fraser Crane. Uh, that would be like, it would be like beating a, like a, a, an old pumpkin. Like, he would just, <laughs> like, he would just smush. <laughs> Toss salad and scrambled spawn. They're calling again. Laughing in rhythm. Oh, wait, I'm dead. I wanted to make one more observation about the budget, and I was looking this up while you were talking, Sean. So, we interviewed Graydon Clark. We talked to Ted Boas. Um, we've watched lots of movies that had very tiny budgets. Yeah. You said this was 25000 mm. Manos Hands of Fate was made for $19,000. And at no point in that movie... <laughs> Does it look like anyone spent any money wisely? That's because they put it in their fucking pockets, dude. That's what happened with that movie. <laughs> and they put in their pockets. Also, it was made like it's the the like the best contrast of like someone who knows what they're doing with their budget, who to talk to, who to get to do what, where to place what, all the logistics. And I hate to speak ill of someone who's probably dead. A fucking buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who makes a really, really bad fucking movie as a bet. So I just want to get that out there. <laughs> I totally get where you're coming from there, Connor, but you're also comparing a generally, I from what I gather online, a well-respected B-movie to one of the all-time worst. So I don't know if that's really fair. Oh, yeah. I, it's it's revered in its own way. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, though, Connor. I'm, I'm ball-busting a little here. Yeah, it's an extreme comparison, but the budgets are close enough because it made me think of that. I was like, wait a minute, Manos is made for like 20 grand. And I think the reason it was made that way is because the guy was like, I bet you, movie-making friend, that I could do what you do for less than this number. And the guy's like, fucking do it. Also, that was like two decades prior to this fucking movie. (laughs) So it was actually more when you think about it with inflation. Yeah. Anybody who makes a movie, any asshole that gives somebody $19,000 on a fucking bet to make a movie is a fucking jerk-off. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the whole pro- the, and, Yeah, and that's why, like, Manos is, you know, famous for being what it is, but the production behind it is steeped in weird cynicism and kind of, like, and a little bit of arrogance. So I think it's, at this point, it's a cautionary tale. So. Yeah, I, I don't like that shit. I, because, they're, you know, you, you're taken away from the people who want to make films and, 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 you know, pour themselves into it and i don't know that's just so shitty right that, yeah like, that, that's like a rich person gorging themselves on a banquet and just to go throw it up to eat more or something right <laughs> yeah just like in the hunger games too yes exactly tm with our good friend the bartender <laughs> fuck i forgot he's like the main guy in that the, the fucking teacher and he's got he's got fucking terrible hair in them in those movies oh man he's also an alcoholic too yeah yeah i fucking quit my job and i and now i coach katniss everdeen or whatever i don't know 
Linjit has it, fuckface. I gotta say, I read two and a half of those books because I hated the third book so much I had to stop reading it, and I don't remember his character's name at all. <laughs> Me neither. Woody Harrelson. <laughs> and I saw three of the movies, so I don't know. I didn't even see that third one. Fuck that. That third one's good, but I was like, I know- I didn't either. I saw the second one. I, I know the fourth one, what happens in it, and that's the part in the book that I was like, you know what? I'm fucking checked out. Is there four books? I thought there was three. There's th- yeah, they did the whole Hobbit bullshit and Harry Potter bullshit where they just split the last one. Oh, they, one. they yeah, split it. They yeah. split it, yeah. Uh, yeah that, 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 just real quick, that third book goes off on a fucking whole tangent. It's like, where was this shit before? Like, I get it. We're in the capital and there's lizard people now or whatever, question mark. Yeah, I didn't even get that far, Joe. What? Okay, we have to get out of this topic because <laughs> I, now it's a rabbit hole. I'm terrified of going down because I didn't know any of that. This was your Hunger Games Minute. Uh, <laughs> we're never going to do it on this show. If if we ever covered in any capacity, it would probably be a commentary track, but no time soon. Just want to say that. No, no, we're not. No, we're not. No, that that in 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 ten years in ten years when we're when we're still doing this question mark uh, maybe. But yeah, so uh, you know this again. We had a packed month this month. We hope you enjoyed the that that King Kong and that Godzilla, uh, that King Kong Skull Island and uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters watch along. Uh, hope you enjoyed that commentary track for all the Patreon people, by the way. And if you're not on Patreon, you're missing out on all this good shit. I don't know what you're doing. What what are you waiting for? What? Yeah, Stone Cold. Uh, the the Brian Boswick special. What? I just did it again. Brian Brian Bosworth. <laughs> The Brian Bosworth special, yeah. I uh, just, you know, I had to get that joke out of my system. There was only one other opportunity to really make it work, and it was this episode. So there you go. And there you go, yeah. Uh, but we still got we still got one more uh, one more thing for you. Well, we got uh, our month wrap up coming up this Sunday, and then we have uh, the Ted Boas interview dropping on Monday. So we, we still got a couple little cool things coming up. We got a special event month coming up next month, so you do not want to miss it. Keep your fucking eyes out for that MD guide. Uh, it's going to be a doozy. And we thank you all for listening, and uh, we especially like to thank our patrons, so we want to give a shout-out to Hunter Davenport, Brennan Lemune, The Autistic Gamer 89, Christopher, Jacob Chavez, Leonardo, Roberto, Talavera, Barocio, Gorlami vs. Kong. Ooh. <laughs> nice one. I cannot wait to see that movie, by the way. Who will win? Well, it's already out by this point, isn't it? Uh, It's the 31st, so it should be coming out shortly. Oh, yeah, there you go. Amanda Tweed, Joe Has a Mustache, Dustin Elkins, Serge Murillo, Matt Collins, Lucio Fulci's Butt, Julie Lockwood, Kyle McDonald, Nicholas Walters, Daniel Perhaps, Jacob Fonsbeck, Patrick Farmer, Tony from Hack the Movies, C.B. Smith, Arlen Haro, John, again, Possibly hurt. We still don't know. We never got confirmation on that. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it is right. Like he's perpetuating his own existence. I think so. Nobody's telling me not to say it, so I'm gonna keep saying it. <laughs> Jenna Fryer, C.J. Duke, Norman Mata, La Bradita Senorita Rico, and Matthew Lasky. Thank you so much for all your support. Thank you guys so much. Uh, thanks for supporting the show. And again, you want to if you want to support the show without paying anything, you can go to that Apple Podcast, leave it a f- leave us a five star review, and uh, that would be amazing. Really, I mean, if if you're one of the folks that 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 show up every week and or, or every time we release a regular episode, do do us that favor, would you please? Just hit that five stars. Leave a, leave a review. It doesn't have to be long. I like the show. I love the show, actually. That would be perfect. Trying to get out of the bottom of the dumpster and into more eardrums. 
So let's do it. Let's make it happen. So that's it. That's The Deadly Spawn from 1983, directed by Doug McKeown. If you want some more good, bad, and god-awful movie goodness, head over to moviedumpsterpodcast.com and follow us on all of your favorite social media and streaming platforms. You can also head on over to our Patreon page and sign up for the 2 5 or $10 tiers for monthly exclusive content, or drop by our merch store and grab yourself uh, some non-committal swag. Yeah, and for no money at all, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to support your favorite show. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster. Hi.